The Hard Shoulder. With Nissan. Number one for petrol in Ireland. Number one for electric. Nissan. Innovation that excites. This is News Talk. Well, Bobby's come in in his Hawaiian shirt and having a party, don't you know? There's very few of us work around here anymore. Bobby, of course, presenter of Down to Business. And uh, if you have any questions for him uh, about any aspect of career, work or SME activity, you can send them to us and he will answer 53106, the usual text line, or email the hard shoulder at newstalk.com and we might or might not mention your name, whatever you want. Now, Bobby has been doing a bit of research into these artisan food and drink producers and looking at the possibility of selling at the farmer's markets. He lives right beside the People's Green, the People's Market on a Sunday in Dunleary. Of course, a lot of weekends all around the country from Enniscorthy to Clonakilty have these farmer's markets. So, uh, what are the key advices that you give to anyone who's making a cheese, making uh, mushrooms and wants to go to a farmer's market? couple of things, Ivan. Just on markets generally, the, what prompted me to look at this was, I saw last week that the Dublin flea market is closing down, a place that had a, a, you know, a couple of hundred stalls. I also saw uh, that there's some problems in Moore Street with the traditional market that's been there for a couple of hundred years. So I decided to have a look at this and as you mentioned earlier, I am very close to the People's Park. I go in there every Sunday and I look at what what stalls are doing well and what ones aren't doing well. I, I'm kind of fascinated by it. So, um, a couple of things. Um, it's a great idea. You can set up your own business around, uh, even if you wanted to send up, set up a, a mobile coffee stand in a market, you can set a business up here, I would suggest, for less than 10 grand. Uh, and it might be something, you know, if you always want to do yourself, there are a couple of advantages. You sell your product directly to the public. There's no middleman. You test your ideas out, enjoying low overheads, low risks. You can increase turnover with low impact on your pocket. And you've control over your pricing and you build your brand uh, in these places. So the first couple of things you need to do, chat with a trader, talk to somebody, buy the gear, go out there and get it, get insured. Uh, insurance around uh, somebody selling food in a market typically a few hundred quid a year, so it's 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 gettable. Um, How much would you pay for a pitch? A pitch. I have some stats on that. If you go to somewhere like you know, if you go to some of the markets down in Kerry or in Abbey Field, it's as little as ten euro a day, up to maybe forty euro. If you're looking at the cocoa markets, the, the markets like the People's Park, the one I talked, the one in Marley Packet, these are big, serious food markets. Firstly, you'll have to commit for per month. You pay by, per month, not per week. So they expect you there every Saturday or Sunday. Um, a food category is about 65 quid a week, but it's charged per month. It also... Uh, is plus VAT. So it's 65 quid a week plus VAT, but you've got to commit for four weeks. So it's about 300 and odd quid. Now, say say I'm selling, uh, we'll just say, organic vegetables, tomatoes and lettuce. And yeah. What if there's already three stalls? Will they do anything to stop another one selling the same produce? Uh, or say I'm selling organic burgers or, or, or you know, Thai food. You won't do get, they have one of each? No, you won't get exclusivity. And, you know, they want, if you think about it from the 
market organizer's point of view, they want the greatest variety. They want an element of competition. They want people, you know, to be competing with each other because it'll raise the bar for everybody. So, no, you won't get exclusivity. But you need to think about what you're producing, how it's unique, how it's different to the guy. You don't want to be in there selling burgers if six other fellas are selling burgers. Or if you are, your burger needs to be considerably better and differentiated. Um, So you need to do your market research. Start small. Identify your niche. Design your stand. You know, it's really important that the thing looks well. Stack stuff high. Make sure that you, you make impact. And it's all about clear signage. Have a sign with frequently asked questions. You need also, you know, in the hope that you're busy, you need a queue, a queuing system on your stand. Where do I start? You also need to be able to multitask. You need to be able to sell and, you know, answer questions at the same time. It's, and you know, I would, I would say to anybody who's thinking of getting into this, this is backbreaking work. You're hauling, you're lugging, you're loading up a car, you're filling containers. You may have to have refrigeration and cooking that. facilities. Now, that's another thing. You need to register uh, with your local health inspector. For Salmonella Central, is it? Well, you just need to be careful that you're registered and that you're in producing food from a food-produced kitchen. Like, it's a lovely way of getting into business. It's also a nice way of, if you've got, if you've got a full-time job and you want to test the waters, it's a, a great mixer. way. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Get some extra few pounds and do your market research and who knows, you might you might drive a business out of it. And how would you price it? Well, I think that's another thing about on your stand. Like, is it going to be a bit more expensive than uh, the, the local supermarket? It doesn't have to be. You know, you, again, you need to, you need to do a little bit of a P&L for yourself. You need to work out your rent costs, your delivery costs, um, and, and make sure that you've got all your costs covered. And be very hard on yourself around costs. Make sure that you list them all down. And then work out what you have to sell your your prices at. So your pricing should be based on your cost base and the ability of the consumer to pay. So, you know, it's, it's about how much will somebody pay for this lovely apple chart uh, and how much can I put it out at? All right, uh, let's move on to the listener queries. Hi, Bobby. I had an agreement with my manager in regards to expenses to be paid to me weekly. The manager is now leaving and another is coming in. Is my agreement set, <laughs> still set in stone? Because it was verbal, it's not a written agreement. Um, first thing I do here is I try and get the manager's agreement before he goes. The second thing here, and this is probably the most important thing, is that the records from the accounts office will show precedent that this is paid every week. Uh, you don't know who this new manager is. I'm not sure I'd be rocking up to him on the first day saying, hey, I'm Joe, I have a problem with my expenses and I'm different to everybody else. I think you could let this slide and you could get precedent from the accounts office. This has happened. And if it becomes an issue, uh, go and deal with it. But I Work on the assumption yeah, that it'll roll over. Yeah, that it's fine. Because I think, you know, sometimes if you present something, particularly to somebody who's just started in a new job, you know, and you're this person mm. that they don't know and you're saying, oh, this guy's a problem mm. or this guy's... Mm. You well, know, you see what, what a clever manager do say, okay, I hear you, uh, Bobby, on that. Leave it with me. And you come back a week later and say, I was looking at that <laughs> yeah. and it does, you know, just explain mm. it to me 
again and then you slowly start a process of unravelling it. But I think this is a legit thing. It'll, 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 as I say, there'll be evidence that it's been happening from the accounts office that can be checked. So there's nothing untoward here. Okay. And I wouldn't be implied, inclined to overplay it on the basis that the guy might say no. Okay, John in North Dublin has sent in an email. Bobby, I heard you on Down to Business discussing the possibility of a four-day week. After hearing your guest's point of view, uh, you seemed convinced it would work. I operated solicitor's office employing six people and we thought we'd maybe give it a go. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I, I'm emphatic about it working. I think it can work for a certain type of business. And again, just looking at a, a solicitor's office here, as, as in John's case, um, <clears throat> what I would suggest he does is that he sits down with the six people that are working. Like, do they want the office to be open on Friday or not? That's a key question. I would suggest as a solicitor's office, it would need to be open on Friday. You would need to give service to clients. So I think what they should do is maybe um, divvy up the Friday work between the six of them, make sure that the the thing is manned properly. But sorry, do they get paid for the five days? Yeah, yeah. And they only do four. Well, they probably might. So how would that work? It's like you saying, like if you did instead well, of five five shows a month uh, for the down to business, <laughs> you do four and you get paid for five. Well, yeah, that wouldn't what, work. But what if the show was two hours longer? Um, because they could work two hours longer Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and that's the eight hours covered. So no problem. Oh. So so I'm saying they could do a ten hour day on Monday. Oh, so to the Thursday. hours would be the same. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All no, right. no, I wouldn't be for giving out things for free. No, Ivan. no. That no, wouldn't be in my no. nature. Okay, well, you're usually very pro-employee. Anyway, it's the suck-it-up stuff. Okay, right, well, I hope that's of help, John. Bobby, I'm a one-man ma- man band, I quantity surveying. I'm really busy, but I'm hopeless at getting my invoices out due to uh, heavy workload. Is this a common problem, and do you have any uh, advice? Ask Peter. Peter, I have advice, and I, you know, I'm, I, I always get disappointed and angry when I see these kind of texts because you're in the office, you're a QS, a lot of QS workers. I understand it is, you know, in the office doing calculations, working out costs. Um, it's, you know, if you don't get your invoices out, you don't get paid. So you're a busy fool, is what you are. If you're saying you're too busy to get your invoices out, get somebody else in to do them. Get somebody, I remember doing this years ago, I hired somebody who used to chase me to the end of the earth to make sure that I did stuff. And that's what you want. You want somebody who's... I hear from the Accounts Department and Community Corps, you're a fair man to send in invoices yourself. You never miss very a week. Very quickly, and very quickly as well. <laughs> okay, don't do as I say, do as I do, uh, says Bobby. We're going to leave it there. Uh, don't forget, if you have a query, email us at thehardshoulderatnewstalk.com or text us at 53106. Bobby Kerr, thank you. We're off to Clara next.